Wow, that is so much good stuff going on. And uh, if I could just add my, my thanks to John for all of you who've been uh, doing Saturday Serve. What a, what a great deal with the mission and, and then Castle, our school. I don't know, it, doesn't, it really doesn't get better than that. So uh, really, really grateful to all of you for serving that way. Well, I've been, um, been at Brookside for 32 years. And I don't know if I've ever said this before. This might be the first time. Uh, you, don't, you do not want to miss next Sunday. Because in our 32 years as a church, because of what's going to be happening here next Sunday morning, I would put next Sunday, next Sunday morning, in the top five, if not the top three Sundays for us as a church. And so... Um, not only come yourself, but uh, tell anybody who you know who might not be here today, uh, this Sunday, that uh, they don't want to miss next week. It's, it's very big, okay? That's all I'll say this morning. If you, if you meet a, a person whose life is marked by irrepressible joy, you'll find that they're living with a sense of mission for a cause that's greater than themselves, for they're living for someone or something more important than their own happiness or their own needs. To the point that they're willing to take risks and make sacrifices. In fact, what you find is the more they're willing to risk and give of themselves, the greater their joy, the greater their fulfillment. The opposite is equally true. If any one of us, if you or myself live to further our own interests, if you live for your own comfort, your, your own needs, your own happiness, you may have a cozy little life. But you experience very little in the way of fulfillment and joy. So there's, there's two ways you can do life for yourself. you if you want a, a big life, a, a full life, you get on mission. You choose to live for a cause that's greater than yourself. But if you want a, a diminished life, you live a life focused on yourself, your, your own comfort, your own needs, your own happiness. And, and really, there, there's, a, there's a sort of an irony, a, a paradox in this choice. If you're the most significant thing in your life, then you're not making a difference in anybody else's life. And the more this is true, the more insignificant you'll feel about yourself. And, and you know what? You'll be right. You really will be a very insignificant person. But if you're living for a cause that's greater than yourself, for something that is truly significant, the more significant you'll be. Your life will have value, and you'll know it. There's no better feeling, no better feeling than this. Talking this morning about living with mission. Jesus lived it in the biggest way possible, and it all had to do with why God sent him into the world. Repeatedly emphasized it and intentionally did it over and over again. He, 
He kept saying, I'm here to seek and save the spiritually lost. And he deeply engaged himself. He invested himself in the lives of men and women far from God. People not just a little far from God. He, he loved and he spent a whole lot of time with the worst of the worst. And in the end, he gave his life on a cross, taking God's judgment for the sin of, of every sinner he spent a lifetime and eternity loving, including you and in, including me. He kept saying it and he kept doing it. No matter how much he was criticized by people who were self-righteous and proud and uncaring, people who, who didn't care uh, about people who were spiritually lost, people who wouldn't and, and really did not spend a minute with them. What we're going to see today is that Jesus is calling us to the same mission. We've been in this 10-week series with the title Crux, one of the one of the most unusual titles we've given to a set of sermons, but for good reason. When a person is trying to identify the crux of something, they're wanting to get to the heart of it. They, they, they want to peel back the layers and get to the very core of an issue. If there's ever a time when this is true, it's what Jesus prayed in the hours before his arrest and his crucifixion, he's, he, he's coming down to his final hours on earth and he, he pours out his heart in prayer to his heavenly Father. And what he prays reveals what's most important to him. We could say the, the crux of the matter. So here's the heart of what he prayed and what we're going to focus on this morning. It, it's found in, in the 17th chapter of of John's Gospel, and it's verses 13 through 19. And so let me, let me just read these. Again, he's talking to his father. He said, I'm coming to you now, which I, I, that just kind of blows me away when you think of that. I'm coming to you. I'm leaving earth. I'm, I'm going back to heaven. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Now, who he's praying for is he's praying for you and me. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for every person who will follow him down through the history of the world. He said, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Two weeks ago, I did a sermon on praying big prayers. This is as big as it gets. Jesus maxes it out in his prayer. Everything he said in these seven verses is, is of utmost importance. And, and the key statement he made in all seven of these verses, the, the statement that, that really is the nucleus of everything else he said, is what he said in verse 18. Speaking to his heavenly Father, he's talking about us. He said, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That's mission. 
Jesus lived it in the biggest way possible, and, and this is what he wants for every single one of us. He, he wants you, and he wants me to be, to be committed to his mission, to, to believe and to say with conviction, I'm living with Christ's mission. He wants us to be living with a, a mission for, that has eternal value, a mission to seek and, and to save, to love, and to care for spiritually lost people. And, and, and don't miss this, everybody. The stakes don't get any higher. We're talking about the eternal life of people each one of us know. I've been praying hard for this sermon <laughs> because what I'm hoping is that every one of us will leave here today 100% convinced that what Jesus said in this one verse is meant to be the focus of our lives. I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to walk out of here this morning saying to yourself, I'm going to live with Christ's mission. Now, I'm, I'm praying this, recognizing the challenge for all of us. I mean, it, it's so easy to spend our whole life consumed by our own mission of the moment, our our own comfort, our own needs, our own happiness, and, and really miss out on the true mission of our life, a, a mission that, that has eternal value that never changes with any season of life, and a mission that, that overwhelmed the heart of Jesus and gave him the greatest joy that a person could have, which is exactly what he wants for us, the joy that comes with living the mission that he lived. Look again at this statement in, in John 17 and in, in verse 13. He, as he began his prayer. He said, I, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Here we see Jesus in prayer. He knows that in a few short hours he'll be crucified. He, he knows he's returning to the Father and he's praying. He's He's passionately praying, and he prays what he prays because he wants us to have the full measure of his joy. And he's, he's, he's not asking for us to have a part of his joy. He's, he's asking for us to experience it in the fullest measure possible. The difference is like having an ocean of water compared to having a cup of water. Praise is knowing that what's Given him joy can give us the same joy. He, he knows that there, there, there's a direct connection between fullness of joy and living our lives with a sense of mission. In the 12th chapter of the New Testament book of Hebrews, there's a great statement about Jesus being on mission. Doing what he was sent to do and, and the joy that he gave him. And I've, I've loved this statement for as long as I can remember. He the writer said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know if, if you realize it or not, but there's a, there, there's a paradoxical statement here. That phrase, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. It, there's a paradox here, and it begs the question, how can, how can you put these words in the same sentence? Joy and cross and shame. 
You can because of the joy Jesus experienced. He knew what his death on the cross and all the shame that came with it. He, he knew what it would do for you and for me and millions of other people. He, he was filled to joy with overflowing because knowing the salvation and eternal life that would be ours because of his cross, because of his death, and because of his shame. Don't miss this. It can be exactly the same way for you and me. If we live our lives on mission as men and women sent by Jesus Christ into the world, tell you what, love a sinner and tell them about God's love in Christ. See this person trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, and you're going to experience a joy that's 100 times greater than any other joy you can possibly experience in life. And that is no exaggeration. I'll never forget the first time I experienced it. When I shared... Uh, when, I, when I shared my faith in Christ with my best friend in high school, and when he made the decision to trust in Jesus Christ as his Savior, I'll tell you what, that, that, that put me on a cloud nine kind of experience like nothing else I had ever had before. And every time I experience it, it's like it puts me there for days. Jesus wants this for all of us. And it's something that I don't want any one of us to miss for any reason. And, 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 and as I thought about it this week, I know the challenge we, we all feel when it comes to having a conversation with another person about our faith in Christ and, and their spiritual need. It's a challenge. For you, the, the challenge might be uh, loving spiritually lost people. If you take an honest look into your own heart, you'd have to say that sinful people tick you off more than anything. You, you, you don't like what they say and what they do. You don't want to spend any more time when, with them than, than you have to. And, and, and because you don't care all that much for people who are far from God, you've never talked with them about your faith in Christ. If you're honest, if you're very honest, you'd say, that's why you haven't been living with Christ mission. Best thing you can do for yourself so you, you, you don't miss this, this incredible joy that comes with Christ's mission. The best thing you could do is to start praying for God to change your heart. Something I had to do way back, and I've told you this before, after my junior year in high school, I knew I knew I cared more about myself, what others would think of me, than I did about my own friends, their eternal life. And so I made the decision before my senior year in, in high school that I was, I was just going to spend that summer praying a prayer over and over again. And I can still see myself on my knees by my bed asking God, God, help me to love and care for my friends who do not know Jesus Christ. God, help me to love them. Give me your love. And I went into that summer one way, and I came out of that summer a different person. I think there's another challenge. I, I think that there's some of you who may have convinced yourself that your faith is a, a, a private thing. And, and, and that's what's keeping you from getting on Christ's mission. You've, you've convinced yourself that really you didn't, I, I don't, you, you might be saying, you know, Steve, I don't have to tell other people about my faith in Christ, you know. 
my faith is private. I, I, I live it. That's all I, I need to do. I don't need to tell anybody about it. You know what? You're wrong. And what Jesus prays for you and what Jesus prays for me, I mean, it proves that you're wrong if you feel that way because there's nothing in his prayer about us living a private faith. Or it might be that you're totally intimidated to have this conversation with somebody you know is spiritually lost. It, it, it wipes you out to even think about telling another person about your faith. I mean, honestly, you, you, it, it, it makes you sweat, you know, break out in, in, in a chill. <laughs> I'll never, you know, honestly, I've, a few sermons ago that I did about this, I had somebody come up to me. And he said, Steve, you know, I really think it's great that you can have this conversation with other people about your faith in Christ and, 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 and see the results of that where they make the decision to trust in Christ. But Steve, I want you to know, I could never do that. I could never do it. And I walked away from that conversation and I thought, man, you know, I'm, there's something more that I need to do. And I want you to know that, that God's taken me on a journey that, this year that, that's given me the best insight I've ever had on how important it is that I do everything I possibly can to strengthen your confidence that, that you really can have that conversation with other people and you can do it well. You can have a good conversation. You've heard me and you've seen the guys up here that I've been meeting with on Thursday mornings. And what I've done with these guys this past year is made me realize like never before how absolutely essential it is that I equip each one of you in a very intentional, step-by-step -step way on how to share your faith. Best thing I can compare it to. It's my own experience in high school with anything that had to do with numbers beyond basic, the basic, most basic math course. And if I, if I could do it or if I had to, had to if, if, if I could do a class like geometry all over again, I, I would do it with a tutor who would guide me step by step in learning how to do those crazy theorems that I never understood. I never understood what they were all about. You might feel that way about sharing your faith with another person. You're saying, how in the world could I do it? What do I say? Where do I begin? Where do I end? And ask the guys who've been meeting with me on Thursday mornings, and they'll tell you that I've been tutoring them to help them learn how to share their faith in Christ. I've, I've slowly and carefully taken them step by step in learning how to do this. And, and you know what? It's work. I've seen a group of guys who did not know how to share their faith, and they've heard me preach on this more than once, everybody. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing a hard look at myself. I'm seeing these guys now who couldn't do it, now totally able to do it. They've, they've got it down. I could bring any one of them up here this morning, and it would bless your socks off to hear them go through the gospel. And the best thing of this is they're ready to talk to others about their faith in Christ. And they're now doing that. And they hadn't done it before. So here's what I can promise you this morning. 
if you want to think ahead a little bit. Next year, 2014 in February, I'm, I'm going to preach a sermon series where I take the time that's needed to equip you to share your faith with other people so that you're ready and motivated and confident to do it. But we're not going to only wait till February. There's, I discovered something in, in this set of verses in Jesus' prayer that I, I want us to see today. And, it, and, and, and it's his strategy, okay, for us to live on mission. And you've heard me say more than once how, how impressed I am with the genius of Jesus and everything that he said. The, the, the better I understand, the better I know what Jesus taught, the, the more impressed I am with him and what he said. And it happened again in preparing this sermon because what Jesus, I discovered, does for us is give us a strategic balance for how we're to relate to the world in which we live. And so let, let's take a look at this, all right? I, 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 I'm amazed by this. It, it, it's strategic because it, it, it maximizes our opportunity to tell others about our faith in Christ, and it makes what we say believable. It, it makes us credible. And it comes to us in three phrases. And I'm going to show you where I found this, okay? And three, three phrases, not of, not out of, but sent into, okay? And if you take notes, you might write that down, okay? Not of, not out of, but sent into. So let's look at this. First of all, verse 14, Jesus said this. He, he, said, he said, he's speaking to his father, and he said, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. You see that? Not of the world, he said. He said, they're not of the world. Now, then look at this, what he prayed in verse 15. He said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. You see that? Out of the world. He said, I'm, I don't want you to take them out of the world. And, and then he said this in verse 18, and he said, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Now, look very carefully at this, okay? Don't miss it. On the one hand, Jesus said in verse 14, You and I must not be of the world, okay? He says this because there's no way anyone's going to believe what you say about Jesus is if, you, if you're of the world, which means if, if you're just like the world, if, there, if there's no difference in what you value and how you live your life, no one's going to care beans about what you believe. You would have zero accountability. For example, now let me, let me just preface this with something, all right? There is a lot of good that a lot of people do in our world. What Jesus is talking about here is not the good that people do who live in this world, but people at their worst, okay? The wrong that people do, the sin that people do, the things that, that are obviously wrong that nobody should, should do, okay? And, and what he's saying is if, if we're like that, if, if that's the kind of life that we're living, then we're not going to be credible. 
if we're just as selfish and materialistic in how we live, if, if, if we're just as dependent on, on circumstances for our happiness as anybody in the world is, or, or if you're just as angry and prejudiced toward people who don't share your views as anybody in the world is, if you say as many hurtful and hateful things to and about other people as people in the world do when they're at their worst, if you're, if, you're a, if, you're a, if you're a miserable person to work with, if you're a nightmare neighbor, if you're without integrity in how you handle your finances, if you're a jerk of a husband or a wife, you know? If any one of these are true of you, then you're of the world. That's what Jesus is talking about. And people will not see anything that's unique and appealing in the way you, you, will, you live, they, they, and, and they will not have any interest in what you say about Jesus Christ. And really, how could they? How could they? See, here's the, here's the deal, everybody. The burden of proof is on us. See, our, our responsibility is not to go around pointing out the wrong of others. It's, it's for us to deal with the wrong in ourselves, change what, what needs to change in us. It's for us to be like Jesus. And when we don't do this, then we're off mission. But on the other hand, look at what he prayed in verse 15 again. He said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. <laughs> Have you ever... Have you ever wondered to yourself, you know, like when, 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 you, when somebody becomes a Christian, when they make that decision to, to trust in Jesus Christ, why it is that, that, that just in that moment we're, we're not taken out of the world? Because we got a purpose here. This is so strategic, and it's, it's something not to miss. Here's what we learned from what Jesus said in verse 14 and, and prayed in verse 15. He said, it's this, not only must we not be of the world, we must not be out of the world. Let me, let me, let me, let me explain what this means, okay, um, from my own family. My dad grew up in a family of, of three brothers and five sisters, big family. Three brothers and five sisters. And two of these sisters went to a church that, that was so isolated from the world. I mean, it was as isolated from the world as any church could possibly, possibly be. And, 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 and what, I'm, what I mean by that is, it, it, I don't mean that it was a church way out in the country somewhere, okay? It was right in the city, big city. What I'm talking about is that the people in that church did not want anything to do with anybody who was spiritually lost. Which, which unfortunately reinforced the mindset of disliking sinful people that was already true of my dad's sisters. They, they were living their lives in exactly the way Jesus prayed that you and I would not live our lives. When, when he said to his father in verse 15, I don't want them out of the world. And then add to this what he said in verse 18, and it's clear how far my dad's sisters were from what Jesus calls us to do. He said, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Now, the word that is translated into from Greek into English in our Bibles, very strong word. What it means uh, to be into the world, it, it means to be deeply engaged with people who differ radically from where you are in your beliefs and how you live. It, it, it means that you love and you care for people who are a part of this world to do this in the same way that God loves 
the world the same way Jesus did. The thing that Jesus was so criticized for, that, that he spent time with, with sinners, with the worst of the worst. Okay? I'm amazed. I mean, I, look at this balance for our lives. On the one hand, not to be of the world, not to conform to the world around us, where we're attracted to the sinful lifestyle people in it, but, but on the other hand, not to be out of the world where, where we're isolated from the world, but instead sent into the world to be deeply engaged in loving and caring for people in the world. Well, that's a challenge, isn't it? So how do we achieve this? How does it happen? Well, first of all, that phrase, to be not of the world, to not be like the world, to not conform to the world. Here, here's the number one thing we've got to do, and Jesus talked about it right here. We've got to fill our hearts and our minds with the truth of God's word. Look at, look at what Jesus said in verse 17, his prayer. He said, sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. See, you and I... If you ever wondered to yourself, you know, do I really have the time to, to read the Bible? You might think, man, my life is so busy. I don't really have the time to do that. I'm gonna, I want to say to you, <laughs> you absolutely got to have the time to do it. Um, that is the only way that you and I are going to understand how to live our life. It's the only way that you and I are going to have the strength to live a holy life, a righteous life. But you know, there's, there's, a, there's a whole other side to this. And, and I, I, I just want to share a quote that I think is so good, and, and it's part of what Jesus Christ is talking about here. The word sanctify means not only to be righteous, but it also means that we're set apart for something that has great value. And, and, and I, I love this quote that, that someone shared with me, and, and it goes like this. It says, our precious, very limited time can be consumed by day-to-day -day busyness and whatever needs are, are the loudest around us each day. Uh, we can go years where we are daily renting our souls to whatever is most pressing, whatever seems most important in that phase of life, whatever seems most important at that moment in our lives. The mission of the moment screams the loudest, so loud that we have to intentionally look into Scripture to understand and be focused on the true mission of our lives. You see, not only do we need Scripture to understand what it means to live a righteous life, a holy life, and to have the strength to live that life, but we also need Scripture to help keep us focused on what really our mission is, what we're set apart to do, just like what Jesus Christ was set apart to do. The second thing with all of us, to, to not be out of the world, but sent into the world. I, I just want to make this very practical where, where you can start with this. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this, but write down the names of people in your life who do not share your faith in Christ. Write their names down. It's something I've, I've, I've done for as long as I can remember, and right now, I have 35, 34 names written into my journal. 34 different people that are a part of my life. And, 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 and once you've written down those names, then there's two things to do. And I mean, this is where it all begins, everybody. And, and I just hope you don't pass this off. I hope you don't just go, 
oh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing what Steve's saying, but I'm not going to really do it. Okay, I hope you do it. Begin praying for each one of those people on that list. Pray for opportunities to build friendship. Pray for opportunities to share Christ. And, and, and pray that, that the Holy Spirit will help you really love and care for that person. And pray for the Spirit of God to open their hearts and their minds to the truth of God's grace in Christ. And then second, do what Jesus Christ did. Deeply engage yourself in their lives. Invest yourself in their lives. Build a friendship where they know that you genuinely care for them. And you know what, everybody? This, this takes a lot of intentionality on our part. You've heard me, you know, you've heard me talk about that I, I exercise up at Lifetime. And, and one of the things that I'm, that I'm doing up there all the time is I'm thinking about the people I can meet up there, you know. And I'm very intentional about it. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't get in people's faces and act all weird where they're going like, what's with that guy? He's always talking to us, you know. I, I, not that. I just, I do it with a lot of care and a lot of intentionality. And I want to just tell you about one of those, one of those times. The young guy in his 20s. And I don't know, it's like God just, you know, helped me, you know, see that guy, to see him, you know, and, and, and the opportunity came where, where I, was, I was able to engage him in, in conversation, and actually it was kind of funny. Um, I think I told you this, we were in the steam room, and, and, and men in, do not talk to each other in the steam room, you know, you just don't do that. You all sit, and you, you stare straight ahead, and you act like there's nobody in there, and but he, but he turned to me, and evidently he had been watching me work out with Kyle, the, the guy in our church who's built like all get out and way younger than me. And, 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 and so this guy turned to me, and, and he said, you know, how in the world did you two ever get together? He said, you're a shrimp. And he's like, you know, huge. How, how did that ever happen? And so we had a kind of a funny conversation. But you know what? I didn't let that be our last conversation. I maxed out that opportunity. I said to myself, you know what? God gave me an open door. God gave me an opportunity to, to really connect with somebody here at Lifetime, and I'm not going to waste that opportunity. So I began initiating conversation with him, and we've had a lot of conversations over the last year and a half or more. Well, a few weeks ago, I... Uh, I talked to him again, and I hadn't seen him up at Lifetime. And I said, man, what happened? Where have you been? He said, well, you won't believe this, Steve. They found cancer, skin cancer on me. What's it called, melanoma? And he said, I, 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 he said I've, had, I've had surgery where they've gone in, and they found it right on my chest, and they had to dig deep down to get it out. And he said, they're, they're, they're telling me that I'm, I'm clear of that cancer, but I have to go back every six months to have it checked. I thought to myself, man, you know, who knows what opportunity God's going to give me in the next few weeks or the next several months at a critical point in this guy's life. See, everybody, if, don't let this one pass. You know, 
Jesus said we're not not to be of the world, but man, we're not to be out of it. We're sent into it. And everybody, the more you're like Jesus, and and you know, where you're living the life that he lived, and, and, and to the degree that you're engaged in the lives of people far from God, the greater the opportunity you're going to have to share the wonderful message of God's love and God's grace. Now, I'm just going to say this. You don't have to do anything about talking to people about your faith in Christ. You can wait until February, all right, if you want to do that. But make, write down their names now, okay? And begin praying your heart out for them. Ask God for opportunities to build friendship with that person and intentionally build that friendship. See, I'm hoping you're going to walk out of here this morning and you're going to say to yourself, you know what, I believe it, I'm convinced of it, I'm committed to it, I'm living with Christ's mission. Well, um, we're going to do a fun thing here this morning. You know, you've heard us talk about the carpet that we would like to get for our building in the hallways. And so what we've done is we've got a bunch of carpet tiles on both sides to help us really understand what that carpeting is all about. And we've got them flipped upside down. And Rob's going to come, and the worship team is going to come and lead us in a couple songs. And what we'd like you to do, and I think this would just be really fun, pretty cool, actually. I'd like you to come up and write the name of one person that you know is a part of your life who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And write their name down on the back of one of those pieces of carpeting. And then what we're going to do, if all goes well and we're able to get that carpeting, we're going to put those tiles right outside the lobby out here at the foot of the stairs. And wouldn't it be cool someday if God works through your life and that person, you know, you're able to share Christ with them and and they come to Brookside and they make the decision to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And someday you can say, you know what? Your name is written somewhere here because I started praying for you. Who knows how long it might be. Yeah. So let's do that. And Rob's going to come and, and the worship team, we're going to sing. And you know what? Just do it. Just, just right now, let, let this begin the, begin the whole process of you becoming, you know, on mission with Jesus Christ by writing down a name over there. Okay? Let's do it.